you're in my Bible study, bear with me because the Lord told me to preach this today. You're going to hear some of the same at first. But, but in, the, in our Bible reading in the last few months, you've heard this 117 different times through Scripture. And a different illustration, different way it may have said, but when I'll, I'll explain what I mean. But in the seventh year, Jehu, he began his reign, and he reigned 40 years. His mother was this, uh, and it talks about, and the priest. And, but anyway, and Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days, because the priest instructed him. But what is in bold here is the 117 I'm talking about. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people continued to sacrifice and make offerings on the high places. So what that was saying and the scripture was saying and that the Lord talked to me about that, that we need to be about removing the high places, the things in our life that, that are, are, are burdened to us or, or sin, if you will. But, but what hit me with this scripture is, and a lot of the, the, the facts that I'm giving you today is from uh, uh, Billy Graham Ministries, and I'll just put that out of there, but that's where I got the 117 from. But he was talking about it in, in their studies and different things. But, but what it was saying there, that there's kings would come in and they were the godly kings, but they never removed the high places. There was this great king that come about, but he never removed the high places. There was this king come about, and he was always bad to begin with, and he, it ended bad. He never removed the high places. But you hear that over and over in the Scripture. And the high places that they were talking about in the Scripture was the, the Canaanite idol worship. And this wasn't anything new to Israel. This wasn't anything new to Moses, because God, if you go ahead and flip the next slide up, God had already warned Moses before they even went into the promised land, and God warned the people of Israel. This is what he said to them. Then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all the figures and stones and destroy all the metal images and demolish all the high places. So before they even went into the promised land, God through Moses warned them, hey, there's going to be things in there that's not good for you. It's just plain sin. You need to get it out. And then he goes on to tell them the next thing is, is what would happen. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, then those of them whom you let remain shall be as barbs in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall trouble you in the land where you dwell. So he's saying is, there's going to be idol worship in there. There's going to be high places in there. You're going to go in there. And if you don't let these get these things and drive them out and get them completely out, barbs, thorns, thistles, however you want to say it, it's going to be a burden. Well, here we see it come to play in our reading now. 117 times it refers to kings that, that knew God but had these high places in. Man, that's a pretty sad little deal, isn't it? Man, this was so bad in Israel that, that it was such a thorn to them. It seduced them. It was just a, a year after year thing that was just drawn to them to the point that in 1 Kings 14, 23, for they have also built for themselves high places, pillars, asher poles on every hill under every green trees. In other words, it just exploded. So not that they only not destroy them, they grew in their life. In the, in the king, first kings, it was saying they were everywhere. It wasn't just one high place here. It wasn't one just up there. They became everywhere. And so as we look through this study, and, and, and there was 26 gods, I believe, that, that, that needed to be removed from that land. And I'm just going to talk about six of them real quick for you. 
But three of the first ones was, was El, which was the, the God or the father of creation. That was one God they worship. So, you know, they worshiped other gods, another God of creation. Baal was the God of rain. Uh, the Astaroth was a God of fertility. Farmers would actually go visit these shrines, mate with occult prostitutes to guarantee fertility for their farms. And this was Israelites would do this. And so they were not only worshiping another God creator, they were going to other gods for rain. They were going to other gods for fertility, sleeping with prostitutes to get what they wanted. Then another God was Dagon, which is a grain God. This was a God of the Philistines. If you guys know, uh, whenever uh, King Saul was finally killed and beheaded, they cut his head off, put it on an Asher pole. Follow me, and they stuck it in the in the, the where King or where the the God Dagon was. You guys know the story there. And then the, you knew on into Molech and Kamesh. And again, I may be pronouncing them wrong, but I weren't learned in seminary that none of the pre- professors ever pronounced anything the same. So I didn't feel bad if I didn't. But, but anyway, the Ammonites uh, was the Molech god. Children were sacrificed there. They're, they've even found clay or jars with, with the corpse, or if you will, the, the um, let me find the right words here. They have found clay jars containing charred bones of babies. And then the Moabite god was Kamush, which was another god that they sacrificed children to. So you could see why God wanted these out. You could see that God didn't want any of them in, in Israel at all. That these weren't harmless little shrines. That, that these weren't little gods that they just stuck up that, that weren't that big a deal. But they were gods that seduced them. They were flagrant gods that, that brought in sin and more sin and more sins. That brought in their altars. That, 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 that got to the point where Isaiah, in our reading, rebuked them. He said, whom do you mock? making faces and sticking out your tongues, you children of sinners and liars. You worship your idols with great passion beneath the oaks, and under every green tree you sacrifice your children down in the valleys among the jagged rocks in the cliffs. This got so bad in Israel that we got prophets rebuking them. We got all the, I mean, Jeremiah, all these prophets coming in and coming against them. Because of the sin that they allowed in that, that God and Moses warned them from the get-go. And so the reason I build this up today is what gods or what followers are we tempted by today? You know, we look at it and say, oh, it's not that big a deal. It's really not that big a deal. It's really little. It's, it's, we, you know, this high places, it's not that bad. How many of people say about Pastor Kent, oh man, Pastor Kent was a man of God, but he had this high place. Man, he had this little shrine that he worshiped that kept him from being the man he wanted to be. Or how about Miss Lynn over there, the woman of God, she, she was a woman of God, but she still had the high places in there. And I, I probably shouldn't have said that until I forgot my, my haircut, right? No, she's a good gal. But, but what I'm saying is, is that that we have these high places in our life. And a lot of times we pass them off as they're insignificant. They're not that big a deal. I don't mean anything by it. Uh, I won't let it continue to happen. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm one of those guys that hate it when everybody goes, yeah, blah, 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 blah. But that's what it sounds like to God. But how many of these high places do we have in our life today? Do we succumb to them 
The I-isms like I'm before everything, that I've got to have this, I've got to have that, and if you get in my way, then you're in trouble. That's a high place. You know, the, the high place of humanism, that, that humans are more important than God. The high place of materialism, that, that what the materials that I have are more important than God. The materials I have serve a better purpose than God. Or maybe the, the, the impure sexism that we have in our life. That, that we say, oh, but God will understand. You know, we laugh at Israel. And we say to Israel, you know, if I was back in that day, that would have never happened. When guys, the people of Israel need to be laughing at us because we have Jesus. I got an amen the first service on that. Because we have the blood that we sing about. The blood that covers all things, that takes and, and washes all things away. We've got the power of Jesus' name with us. But yet, why are we carrying around these high places? And you say, well, pastor, I don't have a high place. We do. We do. I do. There's high places that I'm dealing with, things that I'm trying to get out of my life that I don't want to control me or to make me the person that, that I am sometimes. I don't want the ugliness in me. And we have the power of Jesus' name to accomplish these things. What are we doing about it? Are we mocking God like the Israelites did? Are we laughing, making faces, sticking out our tongues? Or are we trying to deal with what God's placed before us? I'm not going to get in today and call them out. I'm going to just read scripture to you today. But I believe the Holy Spirit's in the house today. And if, if you're like me, I don't need to say anything else. We know our high places. I know the things that I need to deal with. God shows me those things. I'm not ignorant to them. But I'm going to read these scriptures to you and you decide for yourself. But the first scripture, when God was sharing with the people, you know, the fruits of the Spirit are this, but the lust of the Spirit are this. And that's what I have up on the overhead before you now. The, the, the lust of the spirits, the fruit of the flesh, these things can be high places if we allow them to be. Uh, we get into it, we say, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the result is very clear. Uh, sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is any sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. You hear I said marriage between a man and a woman. Anything outside of that. That could be homosexuality, which it will talk about in another scripture. That can be, uh, if you want to get really gross today, sex with animals. That could be anything that is sexual and perverted, and it's all over the place. And we say, oh, but I don't have any high places. Okay. Impurities. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. Idolatry is anything between you and God. And I, I could explain every one of these, but... But I think a lot of times we don't think we have idolatry in our life. And, and, and our pecking order that I preach all the time is God, then our spouse. And I don't say spouse because I'm gender, gender specific. I say spouse because if you're a man, you're married to a woman, that's your spouse. Woman to man, okay? But your spouse is second. Then your children, then your church, then your job, and then everything else you can rearrange however you want. Now... A lot of people argue with me on that order, but regardless, God is number one. And anything above God is idolatry. So I say today to you, do you have any idols that are above God? In other words, this is a godly man, this is a godly woman. But 
They always had this high place of adultery in their life. They could never be what God called them to be. So we get into the sorcery and hostility and quarreling and jealousy and outbursts of, of, of anger. And guys, you know, um, the Lord keeps backing me up to this. We think that these are little things on our dashboard of our car that don't make a difference in our lives. And guys, we can't leave a door open even a little bit. Not even a little bit. And, and I'm really going to stretch out there. But, but, but I've never seen Harry Potter, nor do I want to, nor do I desire to. And the reason I bring that up, I know a lot of people have. And I'm not condemning you. I know that churches have actually used Harry Potter in their Sunday school classes. Really confuses me. Don't want anything to do with that. But I never went to my kids and said, you will not watch Harry Potter. You will not do this. I just was asked about it, and people, the kids would hear me respond. I have no reason to want to know sorcery or anything about it. My kids never asked to read or watch Harry Potter, to my knowledge. I'm looking at my wife to make sure I get a heads up. But I, I don't think they ever wanted to because I didn't want to. And, and either way, I'll let you be the judge of that. But, but Israel said, God said to wipe it all out. And Israel hang on to the littlest things. So I'm trying to give us examples of things that we may not think are that big a deal. And they may not be to you. But I'm just trying to get us to think a little bit here. Hostility. Quarreling. Jealousy. Outburst of anger. Selfish ambition. Dissension. Division. Envy. Drunkenness. Uh, guys, I can preach that if you want on the, on the divisions and stuff. The other thing that you'll notice in our reading that we're doing with the king, sometimes it will say that they were godly people, but they fought with Samaria, or they fought with Judah, or they may have fought with Ephraim. Do you people realize that's other men and women of God? Did you realize that? We don't realize that, that during this time, most of that time, Judah and Israel were separate. They're two different things. Israel was 10 tribes. Judah was usually Judah or Benjamin, but sometimes it'll just say Judah. But normally, during this time of our reading that we're talking about now, 10 were Israel and 10 were, or 2 were Judah and, and, and uh, uh, Benjamin. There was division in the church. Yes, they were godly people. Yes, they had godly attributes, but there was always division in the church and they could never be what God called them to be. You following me now? We think these things are little, but yet they get big if we entertain. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties. That's why I was giving a couple a hard time earlier because I knew what this said. We were just all teasing and having fun, weren't we? Uh, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So Paul's not playing games with it. Moses wasn't playing games with it. Why was Israel and why do the people of God? Why do we say, oh, but, you know, God forgives me. You know, the blood covers me. We're going to be okay. Paul goes on to expand in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. This won't be on your overhead. You're going to have to read it from your Bible unless they were good and flopped it up for me. But don't, real, don't you realize that those who do wrong, in other words, these high places, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or greedy people or drunkards, or abusive, or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So again, Paul, in talking to the Corinthian church, 
man, he was, he was wrapping all the things up from the Galatians. He was pulling them all together and saying, you know, man, you're doing some great things, guys, but, but this is killing you. Well, it goes even to a step further in Romans when the results of the high places, the people got to the point where they wanted that more than God. And their lives became uh, full of every kind of wickedness and sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malice, behavior, and gossip. They're backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. They disobeyed their parents. Notice how he threw that in there. Man, that's pretty rampant today. Kids don't honor their parents for nothing, but that's another day. But you can see the progression in the Bible that, that, that the confronts it, the fruits of the Spirit, and then the Corinthian church is battling it, and then the, in Romans the church is battling it again. And then in, in, we talked in Revelation last week in chapter 3 that, that how the lukewarm had got so strong, all because they thought they knew it all. They thought they knew more than God, and these things didn't matter. But in Romans there, they got so bad that Paul turned them over. God turned them over to their sin. And it wasn't that, oh, I'm done with you, you're no good. God was saying, if you don't want me, go for it. Go for it. And that's where the people of God, that's where Israel had got. Guys, it happened in the Old Testament, it happened in the New Testament, and it can happen in our lives today if we don't take these high places seriously. These high places aren't harmless shrines. God warns us because he loves us. And we can't be all that he wants us to be. And, 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 and I'm going to blow it, but what they closed out in the first service with today was that song where it talks about God's love for us that how does he kick down strong walls? How's that go? Walls he won't kick down, mountains he won't climb up to come after me. Let's turn it back around. There isn't a wall I wouldn't kick down, a mountain I wouldn't climb up to love God. And that's what I'm getting at today. I realize I've got high places in my life, but I'm working on them. And I'm telling God, help me to see these because I want to love him more. I want to be loved by him more. I want to be what he's called me to be. His blood will never lose its power. And we need to remember that today. We also need to remember that as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess me. We will talk to God about everything that we've ever been through or done. So I say to us today, what is our high places? You know, what high places do we see in the church? And let us recognize and pray against these high places. And that's what the Wednesday night class is doing that I've been teaching is we're, we're talking about the high places that we see. But we're not doing it in a gossiping way. We're talking about it to pray together to stay together and to let God deal with it and move in us, recognizing it and, and that we need to make movements in these areas. But to give it to God. And so anyway, in saying all that today, four ways is what I'm going to tell you today to deal with high places. And we're going to learn them from a 25-year-old king. And his name was Hezekiah. And this is a scripture 
that we'll go ahead and put it on the overhead there. And, and, and this is a scripture that was the two-year anniversary whenever I was reading. I think it was a couple days behind for you guys. But Hezekiah, son of whomever belonged to, or ruled over Judah in the third year of King Hosea's reign in Israel. So you get that? That's what I was talking about earlier. King Hezekiah was over Judah, and King Hosea reigned over Israel. You got that division right there. You got 10, 10 tribes of Israel over here serving King Hosea, and you got two over here serving King Hezekiah. <clears throat> he was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother, his daughter, and he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asher poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. The bronze serpent was called Neshtahuna. I don't know. And Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything that he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. He also conquered the Philistines as far as the distant at Gaza and in his territory from the smallest outpost to the largest wall. And guys, I wasn't going to spend a lot of time preaching on that today, and that just opened up to me the first service today. And there's so much meat in that. The bronze snake, as we're reading through our reading, we all know back in numbers, I think it's 22, 23, around in there, 21. But, but Israel was doing these horrible sins. They're committing evil in, in God's sight, and we're doing this horrible stuff. And, and God sent venomous snakes in there, and they were biting the people. And Moses cried out to God and said, hey, help us out here. God told him to get a, a, a bronze snake and put it on an asher pole. Look upon it, and you will be healed. So what was a blessing, we see that they began to worship 800 years later. And, and that would preach in itself. A high place could be the things that is religion things that's man-made, things that we begin to worship more than God. And that's what had happened here. Something that brought them healing when they were committing evil, they began to worship it instead of the God that healed them. And the other neat thing that, again, would preach if a guy wanted to spend the time on it, you go to John chapter 3, the scripture Jesus tells you, you need to look to Jesus as you look to the bronze snake. Wow. So he's talking to the believer then in the original that when they were the children of God were sinning against God and look upon that, that's why you need to look to Christ for your healing, your deliverance, all those things. But when they began to worship it as a God, he's saying, don't worship that as a God, worship me as your God. Man, that would preach forever. And we could just talk about those three sets of scriptures about the history of before, now. I mean, it's there. But you go into this thing, and what, what I was trying to tell you early that he remained faithful to the Lord in everything and was careful to obey the commands of the Lord. That's what I'm asking us to be today, is that we need to be faithful to the Lord. We need to be careful to obey the commands of the Lord. We need to be adamant, if you will. I mean, press into it. 
not take it lightly. And because of that, the Lord was with Hezekiah. He was successful in everything that he did. And the revolt against the Assyrian king, there's a lot of the information I'm giving you today is out of Second Chronicles uh, 30, 29, 30, 31, 32, or 31, I think. But, but Assyria come against Israel. And here he's doing all these things, and he tried to work it out with them. He tried to go along with them and not fight them and tried to love them as brothers and stuff. He did everything he could. They, they even took all the gold out of the temple to pay them, to leave him alone. And he stripped the temple. And I even second-guessed that. Why would you take the gold out of the temple to pay him off? Because that wasn't a God to him. They couldn't take his God away. They could take his gold away, but they couldn't take his God away. Think about that. Here, you can have my gold. Leave me alone, but don't touch my God. And that's what happens is they become, start coming against him. And they still, they want his God. They want his country. They want him. And that's when he braced. Again, you can have my gold, but you can't have my God. And he cried out to God and said, what do I need to do, Lord? And the Lord said what Teresa said today, worship me. Worship me. Fall on your knees in front of me, God. And God did the fighting. God went out and wiped the Assyrians off the face of the earth. They had confusions amongst themselves. And they went blah, 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 and they went on. He didn't have to do a thing. Do we believe the word? Hello, do we believe the word? So just from this scripture here that I was skipping over, there was so much meat. He conquered the Philistines. You guys realize that I've named all the gods that they were worshiping, he conquered. But this is what I have for you. One, we got to hate sin. God hates sins. God wants it out of the Canaanites. He wants it out of our life. And we need to pray, God, help me hate sin. And, and, and guys, I pray that. And I don't say that boastfully, David, because there's some sins I don't hate. I like them. God, help me hate this sin. Well, you're not, you're not biblical, Pastor. You know, the Word doesn't say that. Um, All who fears the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance and corruption and perverse speech. And that's Proverbs 8, 13. You can find it everywhere. Lord, help me to hate evil. Help me to hate sin. Lord, convict me. Lord, use me. But we need to get back to what God hates. And God hates sin. God wants to drive the sin out of the land. He wanted to drive the Canaanites out of the land because of the wickedness of the Canaanites, not because Israel is so godly. Everybody thinks, oh, they're such godly people. That's why the Lord wanted to drive them out. No, they were wicked people. They were killing babies. They were doing all, they were worshiping other gods. They were, they were doing all these things. He didn't want the evil around because he knew what it would do to you. That's why he wanted it out. Israel wasn't holy. Deuteronomy 9, 5 says, it's not because of your righteousness or the uprighteousness of your heart are you going to possess the land, but because of the weakness of these nations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you and that he may confirm his word that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He drove them out because of the wickedness, not because of their holiness, because he knew what would do them and because of his word. And his word can't take sin. His word won't tolerate sin. That's why we have Jesus today. 
The blood of Jesus covers us from our sin. That's why if we're not a believer here today and we're not a Christian today, we're going to hell if you're not a Christian. And I'm not being mean. That's God's word. God loves us so much that he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't because of our holiness. Christ died because he loved us. God sent Christ because he loved us. It wasn't because of our holiness. There's none righteous, no, not one. Because of his word. He knows that sin will get us. That's why Jesus said, Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what it's about. He was saying to them, the Canaanites came to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You say, well, pastor, I don't see where you're going. God did. Solomon was a perfect example. Uh, Jews were casual about sin for 800 years, lived defeated for most of that time. Then Solomon came along. As he grew older, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, 1 Kings 11.4. So even Solomon, the wisest man ever, fell to it. We may think we be, may be the wisest person ever, but if we allow sin to keep running in our life, it's going to get us. Not because God lets it get us, because we do. Like Solomon, many Christians give themselves permission to flirt with sin, temptation, but still try to retain a violent or vibrant heart of God, for God. <coughs> Solomon couldn't, and neither will we. The second thing is we can do it, guys. Now, I already told you the point here is we need to ask God to give us a hatred for sin. And I already read the scripture referring to that. Second thing is you can do it. And I preached on that a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, but don't allow previous failures to stop you from overcoming or hating sin. Um, a lot of times, you know, we, we try to stop something and, and we, we start in there. And the next thing we know, we're right back into it. Uh, God called me to quit chewing tobacco, and that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And, and I'm not saying that's a sin. It, it was a sin for me because the Lord asked me to stop doing it, and I didn't. And, and that, you know, I don't believe that's the same for everybody. But, but either way, um, the, man, that was a battle for me, and I couldn't, didn't think I could ever get through it. But I did but sometimes why do we try when I'm just going to fail again? And many believers have given up victory over worried about kids, uh, you know, bitterness, just things going on in our life. I, I get a lot with this pornograph thing. It's huge right now. And I get a lot, Pastor, I try and I try and I try and I just can't get past it. And, and, and why try again? You know, it seems like the more aggressive I get, the more aggressive Satan gets. And duh, that's going to happen. And then I don't care what sin it is. And then we get the other thing is my grandpa did it, my dad did it, and dead gummit, I'm, I'm just stuck here. And, and, and look at this, you know, look at Hezekiah. This is statistics from, from Billy Graham here. From Solomon to Hezekiah, 30 kings, 12 in Judea, 18 in Israel, see that separation, failed to remove the high places. Even good kings such as Asa, 
Jehoshaphat failed to remove the high places from the land, but Hezekiah didn't. And he could have went back and he could have said, man, Jehoshaphat didn't, Asher didn't, man, this king didn't, 30 kings didn't, God, and, and why, why can I? But he did. And he stuck in there and the Lord brought him deliverance. So you can do it. So submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I can do all things to Christ Jesus who gives me strength. So we can do this. We have the blood with us. The third thing is, is Hezekiah said to 10 church. And what he did, well, actually, the very first thing he did was he sent out reservations and invited uh, everybody to Jerusalem for the Passover. That's pretty bold, isn't it? He went out and invited them all to church. And you know what? Some received them. Some got beat up when they hadn't handed out the invitation. These were godly people. But he sent out invitations to them. And the people came out and attended with historical, you read commentaries, it was a historical event. There was a move of God like you wouldn't believe. The sacrifices, the worship, the praise, the, all these offerings that went before God went on and on and on. Seven days and just over and just worshiping God to the point, you know what happened? The people went out and knocked the high places down. Think about that. So what you're telling me is if I get in the presence of God, God's going to move on me so much that it's just going to naturally move the high places. Yep, that's what it's saying. That's what it's saying. When you press into God and you press into him, you're going to have a revival in your life. And that's why I love what she was saying today. She was preaching this point. Teresa was saying it. Your invitation, your password is worship. And when you worship, you're going to experience a move of God like you wouldn't believe. But if you're not in worship, you can't experience God. You follow me? If you're not reading your word. So he was on them to attend the church. And I'll just read you the scripture, 2 Chronicles 31.1. When the festival ended, the Israelites who attended went to all the towns of Judea, Benjamin, Ephraim, and get this, Judea, Benjamin, Ephraim, Ephraim's part of the Israel bunch, Manasseh, and they, and they all smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Asher poles, and removed the pagan shrines and the altars. After this, the Israelites returned to their own town. Notice he called them Israelites. It wasn't Benjamin. It wasn't Judea. It wasn't that. He called them Israelites. He called them one again in the, in the reading there. That's just interesting to me. Fourth thing, you're not alone. Don't go it alone. Go to Bible studies, prayer, uh, care groups. You know, get in there and, and, and dig in. What Hezekiah did was uh, he didn't go it alone. He recruited the Levites, the priests of the time. They went in there and they cleaned the temple in 16 days. You read this in 2 Chronicles 29. Think about that. Took them 16 days to cleanse the temple. Man, there must have been a whole lot of unholy stuff in there. 16 days to cleanse the temple. But the point I want to get here today is Hezekiah didn't go it alone. He went out and got friends and cast the vision in them and said, hey, you know, God's called us to do this. (coughs) Let's do it. And they did it for him. They cleansed the temple for him. They came together. They worked together. They did it together. And get this, in 2 Chronicles 29, 30, uh, Hezekiah ordered a massive celebration, and there was such joy in the place. 
The junk's out of the, the sanctuary. We just had a revival, and there's great joy in the place. Within 16 days, guys, we can have great joy in our life. We can have it immediately right now, because I say to a lot of us all the time, is why did we stop forgetting that we can be delivered right now? Whatever you're dealing with, you can be instantly delivered of. We don't have to go to a 20-step program, and I'm not knocking the 20-step programs. But God can deliver us right now, and if we quit believing that, that's a high place. Because God is alive and real today. When he went up and he said, be healed, every time they were healed. Every time in the Bible. Whenever Christ prayed for them, they received it, they were healed. Part of that is get an accountability partner. Again, the Levites helped Hezekiah with his spiritual walk. Uh, who can help you with your spiritual walk? I would suggest friends, uh, family that study the word. Uh, whether you're introvert or extrovert, everybody said, well, I'm a quiet guy. I don't care. You need to have a friend that you can go to and bounce things off of. And I've got two or three friends that I go through and bounce things off of. And I tell you, don't get a me person. Don't get a yes person. We all know those people that anything you say, they're going to be like, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, cool. Go ahead and do it. I said a word person, somebody that knows the word of God. I go to Jim all the time. I go to Randy Crockett all the time. I go to my dad because I know they're going to tell me what I don't want to hear. And, and to be honest with you, they hack me off a lot of times, but, but they tell me truth. And Larry, I look over you, you have, and, and I, I shouldn't have done that because when I look across the room, I see people that I use from time to time that I want to hear what God's got to say. I had to deal with a situation in the church the other day, and I went to Jim and said, hey, I need to deal with this. Would you stand with me in this? And, and, and am I missing it? And I shared to him what was going on and, and the situation, and and he goes, Pastor, I think you're right on, but you need to do this, this, and this. And went and dealt with the situation. It was smooth as a button. Smooth as a button. Went to Jim on another deal, and he said, Pastor, let it go. Let it go. Let God do your fighting. Let it go. Wisdom. Pray about it. Decide what to do. Use a friend to bounce things off of. But notice Hezekiah used Levite, men and women of God, or men of God back then, but go to a man or woman of God and bounce things off of him and pray together. I didn't say gossip together. I said to pray together. Lord's good. Uh, this morning as I was getting ready, he kept putting Hebrews 10 on my heart. And actually, uh, Hebrews 10, 25 is a rip scripture. And it's, my dad's even warned me about it a few times. But if you deliberately keep on sinning, there's no sacrifice for sin. And, and anyway, but that isn't what God was wanting to show me. And he said, read above that. And it's the three points that I'm preaching, or the four points I've preached today. And this is what Paul said to the church. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. So hang tight to God. Trust God and he's going to bring you through. Granddad always told me to hang on to a hog's tail and they'd always bring you through financially. And I'll never forget that, that he said, you just work hard. And that's the way Christ is, though. You hang on to him. He's going to bring you through. Two, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Are we doing that? Are we motivating others to acts of good works and love? And three, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. That's what we preach today. And Paul was telling that here to the church. 
And that's Hebrews 10, 23, 24, and 25. And, and that's a powerful scriptures. But God didn't hurt the body and want to hurt the body. He wanted to draw them in. He loves us and wants to draw us in. But I'm going to share one thing with you, and you'll understand in the end. But God has called me to a higher calling, and I say this humbly today because I'm challenging you to the same thing. The Lord's saying you're already praying and doing your word this way. I want you to do this extra. And he said, I want you to start walking around the church and praying seven times and to pray in the spirit as much as possible, but to pray. And so I started doing that, and so I started walking around the church. I now cross and go clear to the west end of the cemetery, and I come back around, and now I loop back up and go around the cemetery again because it makes exactly a half mile, and I come around the back. And so I've been doing that for a month and a half, two months. And, and if you're like me, though, one day it was like forever, you know, and I lost count, and I'd gone a lot more, and I lose count a lot because I get so caught up in the prayer and stuff. So the Lord showed me as you go by over here, there's a bunch of weeds in this flower bed. Pull the weed out and just lay it on the side and you can keep track. When you get seven, you've been seven times. See, that helps me, okay? And so I started doing that. Well, then I thought, I need to get rid of these. So I took them over and I threw them on the burn pile of the youth deal where they always cook their little fire deals. And I threw them on there. So... I can keep track. And I thought, boy, that's kind of cool. I'm getting a pretty big heap going here. And, and anyway, next day I come out. I did my walks. I went up, and they're gone. All the weeds are gone. This disappeared. And I thought, what in the world happened? And it dawned on me the guys mowed the day before. But the Lord spoke to me. And we're having fun with this, but I'm really telling you the truth. The Lord spoke to me. And he said, I've asked you to go around and, and, and pray. And as you pray, I'm going to show you thorns and thistles in your life and the church's life that need to be pulled. I want you to pull them, call them out to me, then throw them on the burn pile, and I'm going to consume them. It's powerful. And that's what the Lord has called me to do. And again, you notice I said, in my life, I said in your life, and I said in the church's life. God didn't call us to tear each other down. He called us to build each other up. And I challenge you as a congregation to add to your prayer life a time where you're praying in the Spirit and seeking God and letting God reveal to you things that you promise to do your best to change. And guys, I can tell you straight up, I threw the same weed in several times that I'm dealing with on some stuff. And that's why I said, pray that you hate sin. That's why I said, you know, don't give up because Garfield's anger runs in the Garfield family. And it was in dad, it was in grandpa, and it was in your, probably your grandpa. And, and I don't want that. And, and that's been something God's delivered me of a long time ago. But, but we get to thinking we can't come over, some, over things. And then the third thing is don't go it alone. You can do it. You can get through this. But it takes prayer. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will come into play. Everything. And so that's what I challenge you to do as a church today. 
Uh, the altar call is, if you need prayer about anything, a lot of times people don't go to the altar because they think it's not pertaining to what they're going through. If you need healing, if you need prayer over a situation, come and pray. I'll be glad to pray with you about anything. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you need to do that. And, and, and God loves you is why he gave you the opportunity because nobody wants you to spend eternity with the devil. But choose him today because of his love for you and nothing else. So if you need that today, come up and receive him. But is, what is before us today is the high places. And I guarantee you, we all have them. We all have them. You're not above it. And you're godly people. I'm not doubting that. We're all godly people. But let's remove the high places and be what God wants us to be. How's that? And so if you got high places you need to, to deal with today that God's convicted you of, I don't need to tell you what they are. You already know them. But the altars are open today. Praise team.